But I don't like being comfortable when it comes to spiritual matters. I like being comfortable, you know, at night when I go to sleep in bed. That's nice to be comfortable, isn't it? But I don't want to be asleep in bed in church. You know what I mean? I want God to do something. I want God here. The Bible says there's certain signs that follow those who believe. What is it? What are those signs? Can you remember who remembers? Someone call them out. These signs will follow those who believe. There you go. Lay hands on the dead as well. Speak in other kinds of tongues. You know, drink anything deadly or what? Not even hurt us. I want that. I want that. I want that power in the church. I want the power in the people. I want people to walk in here, limping in here and walking out normally. I want the blind to walk in here, not seeing and walking out seeing. Amen. Did not that happen in the New Testament church right back on the day it was conceived? That's what was occurring. Now, somewhere along the line, we get comfortable without it occurring. Do you know what I'm saying? So... It all comes down to one thing. It comes down to the prayer meeting. The, the church prayer meeting. I'm going to go into detail about that. I've called this sermon, The Prayer Meeting is the Cinderella of the Church. Something that uh, Leonard Ravenhill said. The Cinderella of the Church. And uh, I was inspired in this sermon. Um, I've been inspired to, uh, to uh, do this sermon because, uh, well, for a long time I've been thinking about it and I'm thinking, how can I preach on this? Because, the, because prayer is, is one of those subjects you can preach on it and people go, yeah, 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 amen, but it doesn't change much. Um, the, the key to praying is to pray. The key to teaching about prayer is to actually get the people praying. So what, what we've got here on a Wednesday night is a prayer gathering where we learn to pray. And we pray together. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, got a fire burning in my belly about this is because um, uh, God's been really talking to me about what He wants for this church. That this church is nowhere living up to what it's meant to be. This church has got a, a far greater um, importance in the kingdom of God and there's far more for it to achieve. And I think that, the, that this church has just about got apathetic in, in accepting the status quo, you know, accept, accepting how we're, we're travelling. Do you know what I mean? That's, it's comfortable, isn't it? When, like here we've got everyone that uh, normally comes is here today and it's, for me, I'm very comfortable to preach to you because I know all you guys and I know that you, you know my teaching now and you, you have embraced the teaching and, and I'm, I'm comfortable. But I don't like being comfortable. When it comes to spiritual matters, I like being comfortable, you know, at night when I go to sleep in bed, that's nice to be comfortable, isn't it? But I don't want to be asleep in bed in church. You know what I mean? I want God to do something. I want God here. The Bible says there's certain signs that follow those who believe. What is it? What are those signs? Can you remember who remembers? Someone call them out. These signs will follow those who believe. There you go. Lay hands on the dead as well. Speak in other kinds of tongues. You know, drink anything deadly or what? Not even hurt us. I want that. I want that. I want that power.
power in the church. I want the power in the people. I want people to walk in here, limping in here and walking out normally. I want the blind to walk in here, not seeing and walking out seeing. Amen. Did not that happen in the New Testament church right back on the day it was conceived? That's what was occurring. Now somewhere along the line, we get comfortable without it occurring. Do you know what I'm saying? So... It all comes down to one thing. It comes down to the prayer meeting. The, the church prayer meeting. I'm going to go into detail about that. I talked to um, Sam. This, uh, he's the, the head elder. He likes to call himself an elder, not a pastor. A head elder at, um, at the church where Ben, you know Ben who comes to church? He gave me a phone call during the week. And he said something interesting to me. I'm paraphrasing it because I didn't write it as he said it. So He said he thanks God for his committed members in his church. As, a whole ch- as the whole church turns up to every weekly prayer meeting, the entire church shows up. The prayer meeting is packed, as it is on Sunday. They've been regular each week for six to eight months or more. Uh, uh, it was roughly six to eight months, I, I sort of remember, but it could have been more. They have gone through dry times together and not lost heart. And so now God is starting to move in their church. Now, it's God is starting to move now in their church. But they went through a desert together. And they said, he says, he says, he thanks God for the faithfulness that, you know, when you go through the dry times, Christians go, oh, this is boring. I won't come next week. It's too boring. Why? We're sitting there. No one's got anything to pray. So it's, it's dry. It's cold. And we don't want to do it. And that's what happens in church today. People find the prayer meeting is the most boring meeting of the week, so they don't attend it, but they don't realise the power of the church is the prayer meeting. This meeting depends on that meeting. And, if, if we, and, and what God is waiting to see is all of us committed to that prayer meeting. Apathy is the biggest killer in the church, and being comfortable in the church as it is now, you know, happy to hear Rob preach, in a sense. And that's, I get, I get my teaching and I go home. Do you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not happy hearing Rob preach. <laughs> I'm sort of sick of Rob preaching. I want to preach, you know, I want to do the will of God, but I'm sick of hearing my own voice. Sometimes I pray to God when I'm trying to think about what to preach. I say, God, I've preached everything. I've, I've preached, you know, not everything, but I've preached so much and I'm, 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 I don't know which way to go. I don't know what should I preach on because I want the presence of God in the church because the church is, uh, you know, I've been in churches where the presence of God has been evident and I, don't, I, I feel it to a degree here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's no presence of God. God is here. Amen. But when revival hits, when revival hits, it's a different experience. I've, I've been, and Vina and I, and, and we've been in churches where it, the sense of revival is coming and the presence of God is so thick and strong and you sweat in the pews when you're, when you're in worship and you, people are, they don't care anymore about what people are thinking. Their hands are like stuck in the air like this or they're on their knees weeping and there's a pool of water of tears at their knees as they weep. You know, for the lost souls of men. But when, when, when the church has a lack of tears, something's wrong. You know, when the church doesn't get a revelation of hell and people are dying and going to hell in the droves, 
See, droves even, isn't even a good enough word. How many people are going to hell at the moment? You know, we were now witnessing yesterday, and you know, the bulk of people we speak to are atheists. Atheists. One-way ticket to hell. And the bulk of them are going to hell if they don't change their way of thinking about God, if they don't turn to God with all their heart and get born again. Unless you're born again, what does it say? Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So I take Jesus at his word. That means you've got to get born again. You know what I mean? Now these people are going to hell and God's waiting for his church to wake up and say, hey, that cuts me like a knife and that puts me on my knees. That gets me, that makes me cry. That makes me weep. You know, I know when this church will be in revival because the kids will be on their knees weeping. That's when I know God's got a hold of the church. You know, when the hardest person in this church can't stand up because they're just so taken over by the presence of God. Now, that's what I want. That's, who's read my book, God's Heart, Cry for Revival? Yeah? Matthew, you've read it? Yeah? Yeah? A number of you. That's the vision. That's why I went into ministry. I never intended to go into ministry to just become a, a Sunday teacher. You know? That, the vision was God in the house. You know? And I talked about prayer. How come Christians don't pray? That was my question. Should be the thing that we fought to. Why? Because that's where we speak to God. That's where it's time with God. That's where we do business with God. That's where we, we're made or we're broken. Is we win the war in the prayer room as a church. And we all come together like an army and we come together and we go, let's get into this. Let's pray. Let's get a breakthrough. Do you know what I'm saying? And the, the thing is, is if, if you've never experienced the revival, and we, I've never experienced a full revival, but I experienced sensations of a revival coming, you don't know what you're missing. You know, and some people go, oh, well, I've never experienced it, so I don't know, even know if I want it. You know, I've read a few accounts. A lot of people aren't even interested to read about revivals. You know, who wouldn't want to read about a whole country coming to know Jesus and turning to Jesus? Like, as a Christian, shouldn't that be our goal in life? Shouldn't that be what we want with all our heart, is our whole city to turn to Jesus Christ? That should be what we want, shouldn't it? It should be what we want. Somewhere along the line, when we first get saved, we're passionate, we're on fire for God, we want people to come to know Jesus. And somewhere along the line, that just weakens and weakens and weakens until we're just happy going to church on Sunday. And a lot of Christians... You know, go to church when they feel like it. They're not even consistent in coming to church. And so they wonder why their lives are in chaos. They wonder why they don't have passion. I've talked to people, you know, come once every five or six weeks and then they say to me, oh, I don't know why, I just don't have that passion for God like I used to. And I'm, I so desperately want to say, oh, I can tell you why. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that Coming to church is the, is the end of all and it fixes everything. I'm not saying that, but isn't it where you get under the anointing? It's where you hear the word of God. You get corrected by the spirit because I might say something that speaks to you directly and I'm not even thinking of you. Do you know, you know what I mean. And if you're under it all the time, you're hearing it all the time, you can get really directed in your life. and You can get changed in, in the way you're thinking and you can go away going, you know what? That's it. I'm going to put an end to this thing that's been plaguing me. I'm not even going to entertain anymore. You know, a lot of things change when we commit, when we get disciplined. 
So in, if, if coming to church on a Sunday is a discipline to you, do it. Get disciplined. Because life's about discipline. God's raising up a disciplined people. They're called disciples. Disciplined people. Disciples. One thing, when, when the church was birthed, what were they doing? What were they doing in the upper room? Praying. Praying. What were they doing? There's the answer. <laughs> this church will go to any height that God wants it to if the church itself as a group of people, not as make sure Rob's there and a, and a few key people are at the prayer meeting and you know we're glad they're doing it because then we know we've got the prayer meeting happening. No, it's when every single person that says this church is my church commits and says Wednesday I'm going to put it aside. I don't care what Satan tries to put in front of me. It's going to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? It's when you're willing to go through a desert place with us together as we, as we go through linked arm and arm together. Let's go through this. We might have the driest, most boring experiences you ever experienced. But you know when you get through, when you come out the other end and God says, now you are ready for me to pour out my blessing. Amen. That's what we do. Now does that mean you know, people say, but I don't like praying in front of other people. Don't pray in front of other people then. Just come and agree together. There's those that just are there. Moral support, you know. Yeah, I agree. I Amen. Does that make sense? You can see why now this is the hardest sermon I've ever had to preach. Because one thing I hate having to do is trying to stir people to do something that I know is what they're meant to be doing. And trying to say, hey, it's worth it. If you just say, okay, Holy Spirit, I won't resist the Spirit. And because when, when you, as soon as you start entering into that, people get offended. They get their noses out of joy. They don't like being told what to do. But I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying the Holy Spirit is telling me that this is what this church needs. This is where it's lacking. This is why the church hasn't got one new person here today. And we've got this radio ad going on Life FM and not one new person in how long? Well, there was, you know, one person and they come for a week and then I don't see him again. Do you know? And then we might have three, four weeks, no one coming. And we're like, hang on, isn't this going out to all Adelaide? So is that the answer? It works for the seeker-sensitive churches for some reason. They put a radio ad on and they get hundreds. <laughs> you teach a, the pure gospel and for some reason it doesn't work the same way. You know, so this is my burden, guys. I hope you can sort of identify with it. If Satan has whispered in your ear, the prayer meeting is cold and boring, or you're too busy to go tonight, or the meeting will keep you up late, or you'll miss your favourite TV show, or you have plans already to meet with friends, or whatever reason Satan will give you not to pray with the members of this church, know this, you've been deceived and Jesus wants you to change your attitude. I'll just read it straight out. Now, Satan's deceived you. That's it. End of story. Satan does not want us to come together as a, as a group, as a church to pray, does he? Because he knows as soon as the church does that, he's got, a tr- he's got trouble, he's got problems. Because now the church is serious. Hey, they're a real church now. They're actually all coming together and they're praying and they're serious with God. They really want something to happen. So what's that saying? What's, what's God, God is saying this to us. And you know how I know? 
Because 2 Chronicles 7.14 says it. If you want to know what God's saying, read the Bible. God's telling us straight. If my people, let's say it together if you know it, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Then will I hear from heaven. If my people, my people, and as a church, we're a a people. If my people who are called by my name, Christian, will humble themselves, because prayer in a prayer meeting is humbling, isn't it? Who knows? It's humbling to go into the prayer meeting and sit there. And, you know, one thing I'll, I'll just recommend you do, especially during dry times, is don't look at your watch or don't have a watch on. Just come in there and just wait until Rob closes the meeting sort of thing. And just be committed. Say, even if I have to go through the worst experience of my life, and it won't be, you're committed. Then Jesus says, unless you take up your cross, you're not worthy of me. I'm sure there's tougher things to do than pray. I think taking up your cross and walking off to your death is tougher. Don't you think? Wouldn't you rather say, oh, look, I'll go to the prayer meeting if you could just, you know, if you could just take this cross off my back. But in, a, in ways, taking up our cross is going to the prayer meeting because it's a humbling experience. It humbles your soul. Because you, you feel inadequate. And that's what get where God wants us. If my people call my, by myself will humble themselves by my name. Call by my name will humble themselves. Humble themselves and pray. And seek my face. That's a whole new level of prayer. You've got prayer, then you've got seeking the face of God. That's another step. And that's what we want. What do we want? We want God in the house. We want to see the face of God in their house, or the face of Jesus Christ, I believe, more so, because you can't see the face of God and live, of God the Father. But you can see God the Son and live. He wants to be in the house with us. And that seeing the face of Jesus, is, it comes in all different forms. Lena was telling me that she saw Jesus when she first came to the church when we were in the other building, and she saw Jesus walk around and come up beside the pulpit while I was preaching. That was wonderful. She had a vision and she's like, wow, there's Jesus. She saw the face of Jesus. Now, Lena has a wonderful prayer life. She's got a a life at home where she's just praying to God throughout the day. So is Elizabeth. They just pray throughout the day. It's wonderful. It's one one area of retirement that's really worthwhile looking forward to. We look forward to, isn't it, where you can have more time to pray. But, you know, some people retire and they don't pray. You know what I'm saying? But we've got to pray. No New Testament church, no true New Testament church since the inception of Christianity has ever been truly effective unless the members pray together as a community. Every account that I've ever read, without question, it's when the churches come together and pray as a whole. It's when they all come together. If I was asked ask you the question, what does the church need more of today? Most of you would agree that prayer is at the top of the list, wouldn't you? Yeah. If someone would say, what does the church need more of? And everyone would say, yeah, prayer. Absolutely. But knowing and doing are two different things, aren't they? We know the church needs more prayer, but we have to pray. And there is a big difference between corporate prayer and private prayer. You know, 
You've got to pray more in private. But I think the two go hand in hand. If you pray as a, as a church, you, you find yourself praying more in private. And if you pray more in private, you pray more effectively as a church. And it just keeps going back and forth. But you'll find your prayer life, if you're not praying with the church, you'll find your own private prayer life getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until you've just about got a standard thing you say every day. Lord, will you look after my mum, my dad? Will you look after my dog? Will you just bless my life and give me a wonderful day at work? Thank you. Amen. Off you go. You know the drill? Who's ever had that sort of a prayer life happening? I have. If you all had a massive awakening and realised that it is up to you personally to commit to getting along to this church's prayer meeting and that by your commitment that this will cause this church to start functioning as a true New Testament church, I'm sure you would get along. If you, you have to understand that it's up to you personally, each and every one of you personally, that it's up to your God. Because God, I'm sure there's not a person here when we talk about prayer meeting that there's not a person here that doesn't go, should I get along? Maybe I should get along. Maybe I should go along to pray. I'm sure the question's been asked by every single person when we, when we talk about it. You know, that, that's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm pretty sure you should get along. I'm pretty sure you're meant to get along. And you go, mm, yeah, but I've got other things on. I've got too many things on. Prayer is not something that I probably have time for at the moment. You know what I'm saying? And I, this is what I said before. You don't have to necessarily voice prayers. Just be there and agree and believe together. Because it says we're two or more gathered together and they agree when they agree together. So you just sit there and you hear someone's prayer and you go, Amen. You don't have to voice the prayers because a lot of people have trouble with that. But you know what suddenly happens as you get along <coughs> regularly? Suddenly you're, you're sitting there and, the, and it just bubbles up. Who's had this experience? It just bubbles up and you think, if I don't voice this prayer, I'm going to explode. And then all of a sudden you voice a prayer and it's the most powerful thing to hear that prayer. And it's because of that being in that environment and allowing God to move in us. It's about being a community of believers moving together as a church. It's, it's us. It's, we, we unite at a greater level when we come together as a prayer meeting, as a prayer group, as we, as we pray together and then we come to Sunday, there's more power just among us as a people. We're more connected. And then what I would uh, recommend you do is get here by 9.30 and pray with us in the prayer room. And we pray for God to do something so that as new believers come in, they can start getting saved. Amen. You know, I'm desperate for this church to move forward. I'm really desperate. I, I feel that for a while now, if we were a boat, we've been tacking in a circle in the middle of the ocean. Just tacking around, tacking around. We haven't really set sail yet. We haven't really you know, put on, pulled up the sails and taken off yet. You know what I'm saying? We must be prepared to go through the desert with God to get to the promised land with God. Did Israel go through the desert for 40 years to get to the promised land? Mm -hmm. And when they got to the promised land, there was more wars to come in the promised land. But hey, this is life, isn't it? At least you're in the promised land. We, we pray together and we get through the desert and then God will pour out the blessings. Doesn't mean the war's finished. That means we've got to pray more because now we're in the promised land. God's pouring out his blessing and the people are coming and the people are getting saved, the people are getting healed, but Satan is angry. And because of our un unity in the faith, because of our prayer life as a church, we can fight that. 
And we push back the forces of darkness like, you know, when um, uh, Moses and or, uh, Joshua, when Joshua took them in, was Joshua a powerful man of God? He was powerful and his army was powerful. They were slaying giants. There was power. But in Egypt, they were wimps. They were slaves. They came from being slaves to the most powerful military force in the Middle East. Putting fear into all the nations. See, that's what the church is capable of. We've got to get out of Egypt. We've got to come out of Egypt. We've got to say, you know, shake that off. We're not slaves to Egypt. We're not slaves to the world anymore. We're only slaves to God. And then we come back and then we go through the desert together and God does a mighty work in us as we commit to prayer and we commit every week and every week, every week, and we just keep on going, we keep on pushing, we get through that desert, we get to the promised land, and then God says, I will empower you to take the promised land. And all the blessings will come. All the blessings will follow. Amen. Are you prepared to unite as a church and pray ourselves out of this, of this spiritual drought? This church will not move until we move. I believe that all those who say in the heart that this is their church should prioritise to be at the prayer meeting. That's what I personally believe. You know, this is the only time I'm, I'm, I rarely get up and say these sorts of things. Do I? I rarely get up and say this sort of thing. But all I can say is this. As the pastor of the church, I need your help. You know, Sunday is a day where I just... I. I you know, Vena and I just, you know, we're exhausted from the week. And sometimes I'm just like, I don't know what else to preach. I don't know what else to do. God, why isn't the church moving? Why isn't the church growing? Why isn't the church, you know, it's growing. I'm not saying it's not growing. We're, we're getting a little bit here, a little bit there. But I know that there's a greater anointing for this church. There's a greater thing that God wants this church to achieve. This church has got far more to achieve. And when we get to heaven, it's too late. We don't want to get there and Jesus says, you know, if you guys had just done this, you could have had so much treasure up here and you could have kept so many people out of hell if you had just realised that you personally were responsible for it. It's not just my responsibility. This is all our responsibility. Who sees that? And if you don't like praying, we'll then get to the prayer meeting and learn how to pray and then get to love it. Amen. The prayer meeting is supposed to be the most exciting meeting of the week. Even greater than the, the times here. The prayer meeting should be the... You, you should be running to get to the prayer meeting. Sorry, mate, I've got to leave. I've got to get to the prayer meeting. Can't wait to get into the presence of God. Because when, when you get there, the God just pours out His Spirit. You know, that's what I want. And people are... You know, we're, we're supposed to... You know, we, we pray from 7.30 to 8.30. But then people are saying, look, I'm just staying. Just, just leave the door. Or I'll lock it up as I leave or something. You know, um, you know, because I just want to stay in the presence of God because it's so awesome to be here. But we've got to get, we've got to do the hard yards to get the church to that place. We've got to do the hard yards as a church to get get to the point where the prayer meeting is the most exciting meeting of the week. Because we've got to be excited about prayer. Prayer should be the the, the thing that we are most passionate about. Prayer should be the thing that we just love to do. That we love to be in prayer. We love to speak to God. And we love to get together as a church and speak to God. Amen? That's what God wants. And I don't think anyone here could say, Rob, you're talking a load of garbage today. 
Yeah. You can, you can think that. <laughs> There's plenty of times when I do speak a load of garbage. Matthew will testify to that. <laughs> but this is not one of those moments. God's saying something to us. God's saying something to us. And you know when I, when I really, really saw it was when Anthony told us about his dream. Anthony, it was about a sign you saw in your dream, wasn't it? What did it say on the sign? It said, it, um, it was a road sign, um, and I was trying to point it out to everyone, and it said, um, God's hand is upon us. God's hand is upon us. He saw a road sign. What's a road sign? We're on the road. We're on the road, aren't we? The narrow road that leads to life. And it says, God's hand is upon us. When I heard that, I went, Amen. God's hand is upon us. I think it's time. And this sermon has been rolling around in my, my mind and my heart ever since. I couldn't even speak about it. I couldn't even tell Vina about what I had to say today. And she doesn't like me telling her what I'm going to say on the day anyway. She doesn't want to know anything until the moment. <laughs> For our Sunday service to start having an impact on, on this community or in this community, all of us must push back the forces of darkness on a Wednesday. For our Sunday service to start having an impact, we've got to push back the forces of darkness on a Wednesday. Wednesday and Sunday, there are two days. They're the, they're the days where this church, you know, makes a difference. The Wednesday is like we go into the engine room. We go in and tune it up. We go in and service it. We go in and work it over. We, you know, we go and soup it up. We put some extra power into it. You know what I mean? And make it a stronger engine. And then Sunday comes along and we come in and we get to the church early so we can pray. You know, get along Sunday morning, 9.30. Even if you get here at quarter nine, come straight into the prayer room. We'll pray in that room. There won't be room enough for everyone, but we'll make it happen. We'll change rooms. And we'll pray. And then we'll come out here and we'll all have prayed so every single person's mind's been shifted from, you know, thinking worldly thoughts or whatever else gets we start thinking. And then we're in that place in the spirit. And then we all come out and worship. And then suddenly people walk in and go, this is the greatest worshipping church I've ever walked into. Not because the band's fantastic and we've got some wonderful new musicians in the band. Thank you for your contributions because it's just, it's really lifted everything to do with the church. But the greatest worship services I've ever been in, the bands weren't that good. So we've already got one over them. (laughs) But the bands weren't that good. But the worship was amazing because the people were people of prayer. And that's what God's looking for. What is he looking for? He looks for the people that are praying. The people of prayer. Amen. Now I'm just going to uh, hand, hand it over to this guy for a moment. Who knows who this man is? He killed us today. We've never had all the cults that we have now. I see the nations being squashed like this. This wall is moving in this way, it's cults. This way, wall is moving this way, it's the occult. And these things are rampant. My dear country of England again, in the last 25 years they have closed 600 branch churches of the Church of England alone, leave out the Methodists and others. But in the place of 600 churches we have now 600 mosques. The greatest revival in the world right now is amongst the Muslims. Why? Because they're prepared to die. You can't scare them. We're prepared to die. Our folk are not prepared to live. 
sure they'll come to a camp they think ride horses or have uh, play tennis or some other thing I know there's nothing wrong in that but where's the passion it's young men that see vision I'm not trying to escape it I want to tell you for God I'm in my 83rd year now I have a bigger fire burning in my belly if you like of my heart than ever in my life and I'm determined by the grace of God to wage war and I say I got young men coming 300 miles to our prayer meeting that's my consolation I know that Manley's stirring people in his area Bill in his area still God has a remnant but the remnant is not enough we've got to return to the old ways the fire has to burn dear God the prayer meeting has to become the most attractive thing in the church you fire the deacons if they when I went to the last church I was there I said listen every deacon has to meet me half an hour before the service any meeting Friday night we meet at nine o'clock and pray till midnight you tell me about Spurgeon Paul was showing me a little book the other day yes sure he was a great man of it you know in all the 20 years he was in that church he never once made an altar call do you know what the deacons did for him they went in the side room where he, he prayed and wept and groaned before God every time he went in the pulpit the deacons put their arms under his armpits and carried him to the door to get him on the platform when old lady that visited him knew him told me about his prayer life it's amazing and no man is greater than his prayer life I don't care how many church members he has uh, somebody told me the other day you like a favorite verse I'm not drumming around a bit but you know I think the greatest honor I don't have any doctorates either begged or borrowed or burned or anything else I have no degrees you can have 32 and still be frozen <laughs> but the one thing I covered I want to be one of the ten most wanted men in hell I want the demons to say Jesus I know and Ravenel I know Jesus I know and Dell I know that's why the devils are the Cinderella of the church of today is the prayer meeting that was what Leonard Ravenhill said the Cinderella where is it we've been involved in some churches over time and I remember one church we were involved in two or three hundred people went to the prayer meeting there's four little old ladies sitting there that was the prayer meeting no wonder there was no fire in that church had a good minister spoke some good sermons it was cold what those kids in oh in the prayer meeting in the prayer meeting yeah yeah they were 40 years older than us we fired them up for a little while going to the prayer meeting but uh, this is Vance Havner, he says, the thermometer of the church uh, is its prayer meeting. The th thermometer of any church is its prayer meeting. How hot are we in the prayer meeting is going to be how hot we are as a church. Charles Spurgeon, who was talking about what he was saying, was Charles Spurgeon would moan and groan before God. He'd be in the side room and they'd have to pick him up by his arms and carry him to the pulpit so that he could preach because he was under such strong, such a strong burden of the Holy Spirit because he cried out for the souls of men. And little wonder he saw, he was the greatest evangelist in England, he saw thousands of people coming to know Jesus. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So, it is, the, so is the prayer meeting a graceometer and from it we may judge the, of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. See, if God be near us, we must pray. Not we pray when we feel like it or whatever. We must. We must pray. 
And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be the slothfulness in prayer. So we need to, we're going to have to get together and push through maybe slothful prayer until God is there and we start to really pray. Amen. The birth of the church was during a prayer meeting. Not preaching, not singing, prayer. <coughs> no matter what I preach or, and this is Jim Simbala, no matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future will depend upon our times of prayer. The future of this church will depend upon our times of prayer. The more we pray, the more we sense our need to pray. And the more we sense a need to pray, the more we want to pray. Who gets that? Shall I read it again? The more we pray, the more we sense our need to pray. And the more we sense a need to pray, the more we want to pray. Amen? You, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. Who remembers me re reading this out once? And this is a, a, a quote. It wasn't actually a Jim Sambala quote. It was a, I think it was a, a New Zealander or something or an Australian. I think it was an Australian man who visited his church when his church was really, really small. There was not many members. And he had just had a uh, revelation of the need for a prayer meeting and getting all the church to the prayer meeting. And this man got up and spoke. And he, all he said was this. He said, you can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. And I think that's important to consider. How popular is Jesus in your life? How popular is he? Does he make do you love him that much that you want to get along and pray together as a church? Or is he just, you know, Jesus is okay. What's that song? Jesus is just alright. Jesus is not just alright. You know the song? Jesus is just alright with me. Jesus is just alright. It's a rock song that was a popular rock song. Jesus is more than just all right. You guys obviously haven't heard them. No. You can still hear it most days that it gets played on certain radios. But Jesus is not just all right. Jesus is the reason for living. Jesus is the reason that we've been put onto this planet. It's all about Jesus. It's not about our career. It's not about making money. It's not about our friends and, 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 and having a good time. It's not about entertainment. It's not about our iPad and our iPods and our phones. It's not about all the things that the world throws in front of us. We have one shot at this and it's all about Jesus. And when we realise that we live for that, guess what? When you're truly living for that, you actually rock up at prayer meetings. When Jesus becomes everything. Amen. The prayer meeting pulls you. The prayer meeting attracts you. You say, you know what? I can't miss it. It depends on me to be there. Is Jesus depending on prayer? Yes. He will not go above the head of the church. What I mean by that is, Jesus can only be active on this planet and work in this planet according to those that pray the prayers that allow him and give him the authority to do it. And what I mean is Jesus doesn't need our authority. He will urge you to pray it. Because one thing that Satan has, will have against him is, well, you didn't even wait for the church to pray. You just did it. Because your word says that we must pray for him to act. 
But if we don't pray, He can't act. Does that make sense? And so He wants His people to pray. He requires His people to pray. And the angels of God cannot go over the head of that. The angels of God can only act in accordance to our faith. That's just the way He set up the universal scheme of things today, on the, the way the world works. The way the church works in the world, I should say. So if the church prays, God can do amazing things. If the church prays, God can send a revival. If the church prays, God can start healing people. If the church prays, God will start saving people. If the church prays, everything can happen that we dream of. Without prayer, we're losing. Without prayer, Satan's won without a fight. Satan gets his way. You know, Leonard Ravenhill talked about 600 Church of England churches closed in England and replaced by 600 mosques. You know, you know what happens to churches that don't pray? They die. And they close down. And God says, I'm, I'm through with you. I'm through with you. I can't use you anymore. I've given you many, many years to do it. I've given you heaps of grace. Endless amounts of grace. If you don't pray... I'll shut you down. Raise someone else up. I don't need you in particular. I can raise up another group of people and if they respond, then I'll bless them. But if I'm going to raise you up and you're not going to pray, you're not going to respond, you're not going to commit, then I can't bless you. I can't bless you. Who knows that's how the kingdom of God works. We've got a ruthless God. And when I say ruthless, loving, loving beyond anyone. You can't love someone as much as Jesus and God can. You can't. It's just literally impossible. He loves you so much. He, he died for you. But he's also, he's a hard God. He's a tough God. Remember the story about the, the, the king? You know, the, the guy hit his talent because he knew he was tough. He's a tough God. And he didn't want to lose a talent. He's tough, a strong God, powerful Let's not hide their talent. You know what I mean? We've all got voices. Why are we using it to speak garbage when we should be speaking to God? I use my voice to, to more to speak, you know, worldly chatter than I do speaking to God. And guess what? God's just saying this to us. One hour. One hour in the week. One hour I'm calling you guys to. Satan and his, and his followers, and Satan, the church of Satan, they meet every day. They, they have all night vigils doing their craft. They're far more disciplined. Who knows that? I remember we watched a video that exposed that at the same week that you guys watched it. Remember that? That video about that guy who came out of the church of Satan and he said they, they pray all night in the church. Do you remember that guy? And Rowena, you, you bought a book and gave me a book about that guy. And uh, yeah. but uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that Satan and his followers are far more disciplined than the church. Yes. Far more. They're out every day. They're doing their thing. Actually, if you see them, they they look like Satan worshippers. A lot of them. They dress. They they focus on it. They come home. And they're just living and breathing it. Living and breathing it. And the church, we have the power of God. We have the truth in our hands, in the Word of God, and in our hearts. And the Spirit is in us. And we can just let it, you know, we can just drift. We can just drift. 
And I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if we don't stand up and say enough is enough, God will remove our lampstand. We don't want the lampstand removed, amen? And you know how he'll do it? He'll say, okay, I've been holding off Satan for a while. I'll just let Satan have his way in your church, like a job. Test them out. Let's test them out. Let Satan come through and just mess the place up. Before you know it, we'll all be enemies of each other. Someone will come in, I, I can't stand how that guy spoke to me, and I can't stand what that woman said, and the next thing you know, everyone's like fighting, and the place just dissolves. And I just wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I just don't want to go there anymore. And you guys will wake up and say the same thing. That's what Satan does in churches. We were a part of a church that that happened in. Well, we left it, uh, before it got really bad, because we saw it coming. Um, and in my opinion, they rejected the spirit of grace. As in the grace for what God wanted to do, it was rejected and uh, there was no place for it. And consequently, we had about a year or more without going to church as a result. And I, th- I put my Bible up on, on my side, bent on the table, and I said, you know what, I'm going to read this every day and I'm going to stay passionate for God. And uh, I'm going to pray and all that. And guess what, that Bible went into my drawer of my side table and it didn't come out for a year. I didn't read it anymore. Scripture, memory verses left my mind. I forgot Scripture after a year. I couldn't remember verses. I hadn't prayed in a year. It, it happened, you know. Who wants to be in that? No, I was, I'm worried looking back. Man, I'm glad I... I know God's a God of grace, but you know, I'm glad that I didn't die during that period. I don't know how I would have fared. I'm pretty sure, I'm I'm hoping, because I never rejected Jesus. I've never said I don't believe in Jesus. But as we know, Jesus rejects them because they do not do the will of God. Doesn't it? Does the Bible say that? Many will come before me on that day. And that he he will reject them because they did not do the will of God. So what is the will of God? Prayer. Nothing tends more to cement the heart of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's heart in prayer. It's true. You know, when when we pray together, when we sincerely pray and we just keep on praying together, it cements the heart of Christians. And we we get healed of all sorts of things. Things start taking place. We get healed. We get corrected. Our minds get corrected. We depressions leave us, and things start to happen. All revival begins and continues in the prayer meeting. Some have also called prayer the great fruit of revival. In times of revival, thousands may be found on their knees for hours, lifting up their heartfelt cries with thanksgiving to heaven. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You know, and and evidence that that God is living in you is your desire to pray. If you desire to pray uh, in your own personal life, and if you desire to pray as a group with your church is not there, then that's like if a doctor was diagnosing you, they'd be saying, hang on, uh, there's something wrong here. You know, is the Lord the great physician? He's saying something's wrong. Something's wrong. He's got... We've, he's put the, you know, the, what's the thermometer in your mouth, and he's put, done that in our church. He says something's wrong. The thermometer of the church—it's cold. 
it's warming up. We've had some incredible prayer prayer times. You know, there's a number of you that have been, we've been getting along to the prayer. We've been having incredible prayer times. God's been doing some really great stuff in there. And we, we have these real, you know, um, rapturous types of moments, don't we? Where God, you can just feel it. You lift and, and, uh, and then, you know, God speaks through someone. And a wonderful prayer that just sort of, we're all, amen. And, you know, it's incredible. And, and that's a, a, a sign that something's good is happening in our prayer meetings. And I'm trying to say, come and join in with that. Come and join in with that. Because that is going to make all the difference. And, all, and we've got to be remembered that this as well. Just say, all of you come to the prayer meeting this Wednesday coming. Don't come to Sunday and expect everything to be radically changed. And then go, hang on, nothing's happened. Oh, maybe the prayer's not working. Who's ever had that experience? Do you know I have? As a pastor of this church, come to prayer meeting, we're praying regularly, and I'm going, hang on, nothing's happening. Oh, prayer's not working. You sort of get that. It's a simple, simplistic way of thinking, but it's the truth. That's what we start to feel. But isn't it supposed to be that we wrestle in prayer we get the breakthrough through disciplined prayer through commitment to commitment to it and we commit and we commit and we keep on committing we keep on committing and we just say you know what we're not going to let, um, let go of this until God blesses us who am I quoting there in the Bible Jacob very good <laughs> he wouldn't let go of God until he was blessed we can't let go of this we can't let go until he's blessed. We've got business to do. And you know, put up your hand if someone in your family needs salvation. Put up your hand. Keep your hand up if quite a few people in your family need salvation. And your friends. And people you know. Maybe your neighbours. So could we all do with God stirring us up and causing us to be so filled with the Spirit that when we walk near these people, they come under conviction. Who believes that that can happen? Yeah. Who believes that you can actually walk up to someone and just start speaking to them about Jesus and they just get, they just about fall on their knees and start weeping? You know, I went up to a man on the street a few weeks back and I started speaking to him and he started crying. Because I found out that he was sort of a Christian, or at least he, he, he was growing up that way. And I started to say to him, you know, you've got to look to Jesus now and give your life to Jesus and follow Jesus. And as I'm saying that, he started to weep. And he, then he said to me, um, I said, would you like me to, you know, uh, pray for you? And he just goes, no, no, that's enough, you know. And I thought, oh, I've done my work today, I'll leave him. I won't try to push anything else on the guy. And I walked away. But it's a beautiful thing. And that was one guy I only just spoke to because I was about to get to the car and I saw him. I thought, I'll speak to one more person before I go. And that was the encounter that I had. So the words of God can have a real great effect but if you're really moving, if, if the church is moving as it should, and we're filled with the Spirit and God is just doing something, and we've done the, you know, the training in a sense, you know? You see these great athletes, you watch them in the Olympics, and they, they come out, and these marathon runners that can run a marathon, and they just about look like they're in a full sprint the whole way. You know what I mean? You see those guys with their long, skinny legs, and they're just like... And they're just pacing along, and you see guys on push bikes trying to keep up with the runners, and they can't keep up. You know, the push bikes fall behind and people, you see another guy start sprinting and you see this guy on the side, you know, he's not in the race 
and he's sprinting with all his might and he can't keep with the trained runners for more than 100 metres. So these guys have got, they're, they're trained to such a high level that they can nearly hold a full sprint, you know, all the way for the whole marathon. And, and in a sense, that's what God is saying to us. Because if you go up to those runners and say, man, you did an amazing run today, um, and, and, you, and then you assumed, as you talked to him, that that was the only time he's run this year, you'd be foolish, wouldn't you? You would know that that guy has run every day, hasn't he? Every day. Every day. He's done kilometres after kilometres. How many kilometres has he got in his, you know, built up to be able to run like that? And as a church, if the church wants to run the way it's meant to run, if the church is going to run the race and be effective, we've got to build up that time spent with God. You know? And that's what I'm saying. If your prayer life is suffering in private, get to the prayer meeting, learn to pray. And then we, we take it home, we pray at home, then we get back to church, we pray again, and we just become this powerful praying church. And like that um, Ben's uh, pastor in, in Queensland, he said to me, he said he's been so blessed. He, he's, had, he's seen two moves of God. One is in his old church, and it happened the same way. He said the people of the church committed to prayer. Every single member of the church committed to prayer. They all showed up at the prayer meeting, and there was this, uh, and they did it for many, many, many months. And he said it was dry at times, not all the time. At times, it was dry, but they had committed that they were going to go through that. And at the end of it, he said God started doing stuff. God started doing things. You know, Ben said just recently they had baptism, and then. Then another baptism. They've had a series of baptisms. People, you know, uh, giving their hearts to Jesus. And the one baptism, I think he was saying that there was a guy there who wasn't a believer who wanted to receive Jesus. At that meeting, during the baptism. Don't we want that to happen? Don't we want to be down the beach baptizing someone and some people are standing there listening to what's going on and say, hey, I want to receive Jesus. You know, just because of our presence down there. Amen. Now that can happen. And the miraculous, in our minds, it's nearly miraculous to think, but the miraculous can only happen when God sees us committed. He, he who is too busy to pray will be too busy to live a holy life. I've heard another one that says, He who is too busy to pray is too busy. So we just got to make room. Amen. We just got to make room. And last thing, who's got a camera? Take a photo of this if you can get a photo of that. I put all these scriptures together because I've always wanted to see them together. For where, let's read them together. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Isn't that incredible when you have them all back to back like that? I've always known all these scriptures in, in 
separate, but it's good to put them together as a, as a paragraph. And it really does summarise prayer and the power of prayer and how he, he will bless us if we do it. All right, so, Lord, I just thank you for this time. And, Lord, um, as I said to everyone here, this is the most important message I think I'm ever going to preach. And I pray that it took effect, Lord. I pray that, uh, that this sermon will be the turning point for this church and that we will start to see something change among us, Lord. Lord, we want this church to go from strength to strength. We want these, uh, this church to reach into uh, uh, so many lives and uh, bring so many people to salvation. And we believe that it's possible. And so we, we seek you. We ask you to help us, Lord. Yes. Help us as a people. Uh, put it in our hearts to pray. Put it in our hearts and, and give us that burden to pray together as a church. Give us a burden to... Um, to want to be there. Make us want to, with all our heart, Lord, not just come because Rob's put pressure on, but, Lord, that we'll start checking ourselves against the words that were spoken today. Not thinking that Rob's trying to do this or manipulate this, but ask what God is saying. And we know your word says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. And he'll forgive their sin and heal their land. So your word says it, Lord. And I pray that it, we really do act on your word and respond in a way that is wonderful. And that uh, this will, as I said before, will be the turning point in this church and in the life of this church. So I pray now that, Lord, uh, you just um, bless these wonderful people and thank you for their coming today and uh, choosing to be part of Blessed Hope Chapel. And I pray that... Um, they'll just take this and, and run all week with it and that they'll pray more than they've ever prayed and that Lord will start to see things happening and not just in the life of this church but in each and every personal life. That each of us, Lord, we're struggling with different things and I pray that our commitment to this will change um, so many other things in our life, things that we may be struggling with, situations at work, situations at school, situations in um, uh, maybe struggling with depressions, depressions and all sorts of things that, that we all fight with every single day. So I just pray that um, we, we will start to see a difference as we start to commit to praying to you each and every day with all our hearts. So I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus and just be with us now and bless our fellowship time and may your spirit move in us in a great and wonderful way. In the name of Jesus, Amen. 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 Thank you.